Hello, welcome back to BrainTap Business Journal Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Patrick Porter. I have a very special guest today, somebody that I met at a mastermind. So for those watching this, just know that that I paid like $6,000 to hear this guy. So you're going to get it for free here. But what he taught me in this one class at this mastermind, I made back my money and more because he's showing me how to unlock the wealth in my home, but also teaching me how really the the loan companies are kind of acting like the mafia. And I'll let him explain that because what, the way it's explained to us is like, if somebody was to give you a, you know, a hundred dollars, but wanted $200 next week, or you had to pay back $50 every month, but didn't pay the principal till you got all the way down, all that crazy stuff. I know everybody out there knows about how, when they get their home mortgage, they look and they go, I've been paying for five years. I've only paid a thousand six hundred dollars or something, some craziness. Well, Michael Lush, who's the CEO of Replace Your Mortgage, is going to explain all that to us. And he's also going to give you the opportunity at the end where you can actually schedule time with him to actually figure out if this is good for you. So we're gonna we're gonna dispel the myths of what this is. And it's a program that's totally 100 percent legal and legit. Which, which we've checked it out. There's a lot of information out there and uh, Michael is the expert. And so Michael, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Patrick. I appreciate it. Uh, you wouldn't believe what it took for me to get here. I don't know if you're watching the news, but uh, Tennessee is getting pounded by snow and Tennessee doesn't typically get pounded by snow, freezing rain and whatnot. So we're not prepared for this. So, <laughs> but like I was telling you in Miami, um, I'm a redneck and rednecks have four wheel drive trucks. So I ventured out and I made it here. I'm glad I did. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's great. I know that uh, I used to have a, a, a clinic actually off Mur Murfreesboro, I think is the way this is called. In uh, WGN, we used to advertise a lot on those stations. The country station yep. was always really good. We had a stop smoking clinic, so it was good yeah. for those rednecks to, to get in there and get, get into stop smoking. So. Well, well for, for folks around here, yeah, not only smoking is an issue, but I would say also smoke with tobacco. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah but anyways, great. yeah. Thank, thanks for having me. Um, one, I want to tell a little bit real quick about my story and how I came to be and how this came to be for me. Um, it was, in my opinion, through divine intervention uh, because I was a mortgage guy. I was somebody who was 17-year veteran of the mortgage industry, uh, various you know titles, anywhere from it was my first job right out of college, from loan officer to senior manager to director of operations to senior vice president of the federal savings bank. So uh, I've been um, somewhat at the top of the mortgage industry and, and that's what I thought I was always going to do. And it was in 2009, a hedge fund manager that actually gave um, a company I worked for uh, capital to kind of resurrect after the meltdown. Um, he was out of Connecticut, but his parents were in Nashville, Tennessee. So when he would fly into town, he stopped by the office and mentor me for an hour. And obviously we were scratching each other's backs because although he didn't directly own the company. He owned the fund that was capitalizing the company. So he wanted to see how numbers were and how production was. And again, at the time with it, that company, I was director of operations. And, you know, after a couple of visits, um, I said, you know what, this guy at the time was worth several hundred million dollars and now a billionaire. Like I I've got to get in his sphere of influence. So I took a chance one visit to say, look, you know, you, you rub shoulders with people that I want to rub shoulders with. Uh, but I, I think I figured out a way that we can help each other. You introduce me as the mortgage guy, my branch. We will do all the transactions for your uber wealthy uh, friends and family. Big mortgages are big paychecks. And hey, that benefits you because you get your capital back faster. And uh, he said, you know, that's all well and good. He said, yeah, honestly, you know, we don't do mortgages. I was like, ah, let me guess, you pay cash for everything. He said, no, we always use other people's money. And that, we'll get into that here in a little bit. I mean, it's, smart people you, you just you leverage you arbitrage you you use other people's money whether it be bank money or whatnot and i asked the question i was like well what do you mean you use other people's money he's like well like helocs for instance uh that's a more efficient way of financing real estate and then he said something that stuck with me so that so far probably going to stick with me for the rest of my life he said michael to be honest with you the mortgages is selling financial crack to middle america and that did not sit well with me I didn't want to be the dope dealer selling financial crack to middle America. And I was like, but tell me more about this, this HELOC thing that you're talking about. Because everything I had been taught up until this point was that HELOCs are bad. It's basically a credit card on your home. And he said, no, it's just the way that you got to look at it and the way uh, you, you've got to execute on it. And he didn't take long. He took 10 or 15 minutes to kind of explain how they use it as a check-in account and drive their cash flow in. 
And he said, look, this is what businesses have been doing for, for centuries. Um, if it's good enough for a business, why isn't it good enough for personal finance? So that's what we do. We use the exact same thing we use in business to own our personal real estate. And it, again, it just didn't sit well with me. So I spent a year trying to figure out a way to prove him wrong. So I thought, if I prove him wrong, well, then I've earned his business. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out a mathematical formula so that a mortgage makes more sense. Maybe I couple it with something for it to make more sense. And the more I dug into it, the more I was proving him right. And in 2012 is when I took the leap of faith. I'm still doing mortgages. You know, at the time I was the senior vice president of a federal bank and I, I'm doing mortgages. I've got loan officers and processors out there doing hundreds or thousands of mortgages on a monthly basis. And me personally, I switched my house to a first lien position home equity line of credit. So I'll be honest with you, that felt very disingenuous. I'm like, I'm sitting here telling people that this is what they should do, but I wouldn't personally do it. And this is when, and it took a lot of convincing of my wife. My wife was like, you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, because rates were low. We had a low rate at the time. And then I switched it to, at the time, a variable interest rate key lock and first lien position. And what, you know, uh, in about three and a half years, we paid our house off. So I first tested it. It was correct. It works. I was 100% liquid. Um, and then I had a marketing mentor and I was on his podcast and he was interviewing me for, uh, I think it was called Mortgage Success and how to build branches and uh, successful mortgage branches throughout the, the nation. And <clears throat> during that podcast, he's asking me questions that are very vanilla with the mortgage company. And then he's at the end of it, he said, what's that golden nugget in the mortgage industry that nobody knows about, but they should. So that the listeners can walk away with this really cool nugget that nobody really talks about. And he didn't know my story up until that podcast. So I was like, well, this is going to shoot myself in the foot because if I explain this, nobody's going to come to me for a mortgage. I was like, you know what? I just got to tell the truth. So I did. And for the next 30 minutes, we were, that was supposed to be five minute segment on, on just that topic and get off. We went on for another 30 minutes. Get, gets off the podcast, calls me and says, Michael, I just got to tell you something. I'm blown away. He said, one, I don't even know if you knew this about yourself, but when I'm asking you everything about the mortgage industry, you had no energy. I'll be honest with you, dude, you were boring. <laughs> However, when I asked you about this little nugget, he's like, your energy level skyrocketed. Not only is it very valuable information, but I can tell it's something that you're passionate about and you should build a business around it. And I did. I did that in 2014, started this and from zero days to 60 days flat, I had enough clients that I could uh, completely abandon the mortgage industry. And I did. And that's what I've been doing ever since. But I kind of, I'm a bit of a, a banking history nerd. So I kind of want to go back and explain how this all came to be in the banking world. Because what we teach, like you said, it, it's legal. It's not a scam. Actually, it's very popular, especially among wealthy people in this country but even more so out of this country. You know, in, in Australia, 80% of citizens, this is what they do, it's normal. I couldn't, I couldn't earn a living in Australia teaching this because they learned this in high school, they learned this in college, it's normal. In fact, in, in Australia, it's called a money merge account. And why? Because you're merging two products into one account. The two products being your home and your checking account become one account. And it's called a money merge account, what we would call first lien position home equity line of credit. Now in Australia, they have the highest rate of second home ownership. What that means is they own two homes, not one, but they own two homes and they have them paid off on average of 14 years. Well, that's twice as fast as the average American pays off one home. So, you know, you want a vacation home? I, this is the strategy for you. You can get a, a beach house and I've got clients that have done that. I've got uh, consultants that work for me that that's what they have done, and whether it be in Mexico or Delaware and, and whatnot. So, let me go back and explain the banking history because this used to be normal. This isn't something that's new. So this is an original thought of Michael Lush. This is just something that I learned and piggybacked off of. And I feel like we do a better job of teaching it and marketing it, uh, but it's not an original thought of Michael Lush. I'm not that smart. But prior to 1913, this is actually how Americans used to finance real estate. So we hear of our, our grandfathers and our great grandfathers of, you know, when they would buy a house, they paid it off in five to 10 years. We, we heard that all the time, right? Well, there was a couple of reasons for it. Number one, they were just a better generation, more disciplined, wiser. They didn't watch TV. They read books. Um, so this is what they did. A mortgage back then, and, and keep in mind where mortgage comes from. It's old French 
or death pledge. That's what it means. Mortgage means death pledge. Mort, which is mortality, engage, uh, which is contract, is a death pledge. So it's a death contract. But a mortgage prior to 1913 was an open-end loan, meaning money can move in and out freely. So especially farmers were using mortgages basically as an operating account. So they would sell crop, they would dump it into their mortgage, and it was liquid. So the next day, if they needed to borrow from their home to go buy equipment, they could. And if they sold crop again, they dump it in there. That was one of the reasons why they could pay off their home so quickly. But the game changed uh, probably forever, uh, unless myself or any other companies like mine can get enough market share so we're, we're big enough on the radar that people have to take notice. That, that is my, my lifelong goal and dream is to change the way that Americans borrow money because if they do, things like 2008, 2009 wouldn't have had the, the impact that it did. Uh, you know, the mortgage meltdown or the real estate meltdown. Things like coronavirus would not be as devastating. And I'll get, remind me to get into that uh, in a little bit too, because, you know, I've got thousands of clients that during coronavirus, um, you know, lose their income, but they're fine. And I'll explain why they're fine and they can weather the storm. But 1913 changed the game forever. What do you think happened in 1913 to kind of change it? World War One? No, it was the institution of the Federal Reserve. Oh, okay. Now, again, going back to history, this is a history lesson. This isn't conspiracy theory. These are facts. There were four presidents or presidential candidates that were assassinated, right? Guess what they all, what their platforms ran on? Not okay. the primary platform, yeah. but in general, one of the things that they wanted to accomplish, abolish the central bank. Yeah. They wanted to abolish the central bank. So Abraham Lincoln, one of his platforms was to abolished the central bank. So people don't realize that we had a central bank prior to, to 1913. It failed and then the, it was being resurrected again in 1913. Uh, I think Garfield was one, which by the way, I don't know if it was, no, it was McKinley. McKinley was a presidential candidate. Guess who his campaign manager was? Robert Lincoln. <laughs> he was assassinated. That was the platform they ran on. We got to get rid of the central bank. People don't realize this. John F. Kennedy, he wanted to get rid of the central bank. So. Not a conspiracy theory. These are the platforms they ran on. Is it coincidence? I don't know. I think not, but you know, you, you be the judge of that. So 1913 comes along and that's the institution of the Federal Reserve. And a lot of people don't realize this is how the Federal Reserve was created. And there's a great book out there called The Creature of Jekyll Island. Jekyll Island is an island off the coast of Georgia that JP Morgan owned. And he had a secret meeting of himself and five other individuals, whether it be politicians or uh, uber wealthy folks. In fact, they were so wealthy that those six individuals, and it was a secret meeting, even the staff didn't know who was in that meeting. But in that room, they accumulatively was one quarter of the world's GDP. That's how wealthy they were. And at the time, JP Morgan was the wealthiest man uh, in the world. So what came out of that meeting was the business plan, which is the Federal Reserve, the central bank. Here's what the Federal Reserve does. It allows banks, they're basically the backstop of a bank. They allow a bank to execute what's called fractional reserve lending. So fractional reserve lending is for every dollar you put in a bank account, they can lend out 10. Literally creating nine to $10 out of thin air. Some have a one to 15 ratio, most have a 10 to one ratio or one to 15 ratio. So think about that. You put a hundred grand in the bank, the bank really has a million that they can lend out. And if you understand how banks make money with velocity of money, they have to lend it out. They need, it's arbitrage. Bring it in at 0%, lend it out at four and 5%. That's how they make money is arbitrage. So obviously the banks are like, whoa, this is a really cool magic trick. What do we need to do? We need to grow core deposits. And I can tell you as somebody who's been in the boardrooms of these banks, um, I'm currently, when I say I own a bank, that sounds, um, bougie. It, it, I don't own a bank. What I own is a carve out of a joint venture. I'm a minority owner of a joint venture of a bank. So I'm in these boardrooms and I can tell you the number one focus uh, out of all these meetings, how do we grow core deposits? Why? You get more deposits, they can lend more money out, the more money they make, right? So that's the focus. How do we go about extracting money, getting people to put their money into our accounts? So 1913, fractional reserve lending, so the banks get together and says, how do we get more core deposits? And that's when they change the mortgage. So a mortgage, the modern day mortgage is actually a newer product than a first lien position home equity line of credit, right? So again, we're just going back to basics. 
So they made a mortgage at closed in progress. So money goes in, but it doesn't come out freely, right? So for example, if you wanted to put all of your income into a mortgage per month, what happens at the end of the month? You can't pay your bills. It's trapped in the bank's treasure chest, right? And you literally screwed yourself. So now you can't pay your bills. So they, they force you to adopt what's called a payment strategy, where if you want to pay extra and pay your mortgage off early, that's fine, but you can't get what's called 100% income utilization, where you dump all of your money in and your liquid, should you ever need it to pay bills, you can pull money out. No, it's a closed-in product. Now think of other things that have been developed from that. The mortgage is a closed-in product. Student loans are a closed-in product, installment loans. Car loans are installment loans. So it's a perfect debt tool to increase core deposits. So now is it increased core deposits? And let me explain why it increases core deposits. You can only put money in, so maybe you pay extra, but you've got to leave money behind for all of your other discretionary spending. Where do you leave it? In the bank accounts. Right, and they're, that is typically. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just waiting there like with open arms, like no problem, we'll hold it for you when you need it. And by the way, we're gonna hold it for you and what are we gonna give you in return? Next to nothing, the national average is 0.17%. So it's so low, let's just call it 0%. They're holding your money for 0%. And in fact, it's worse than that because you have inflation. Inflation is anywhere from one and a half to 3.3% on average, right? So your money is actually moving backwards by putting it in a checking and savings account. So that's why I now say that a checking and savings account is not an asset, it's a liability because your money is actually going backwards. So not only are you inefficient, and you're putting money in a checking and savings account, what does it do to the mortgage? So now you're not putting all of your cash flow towards the mortgage, you're only putting some of it towards the mortgage. So now what does it do for the mortgage? You pay on it longer and you pay more interest. Well, what do you know? They make more profit there too. So it's, it's an ingenious, I can't hate them for it, but it's an ingenious way to grow core deposits. And the byproduct is they get more profit by charging more, not charging more interest, but earning more interest over a longer period of time. So. That's how the modern day mortgage came to be. And my goal is to educate folks and show them how they could use a product that a lot of banks have, but a lot of bankers don't realize that they have it. And that's a HELOC and first lien position. So first lien position is, let's say, let's start off with you don't even own a home. You're a first time home buyer. People don't realize that you don't have to get a mortgage to close on that house. You could close with the home equity line of credit. There are some banks, not a lot, but there are some banks out there that will allow, allow you to purchase. And at the closing table, you have closed on a HELOC as opposed to a mortgage. Now, let's say you have uh, you already have a home and you have a, a mortgage balance, 300,000. Well, you can refinance that mortgage into a HELOC in first lien position. And part of the uh, strategy is a HELOC is being open in. Money can move in and out freely 24 seven. The other benefit is it's simple interest. I'll get into that here in a second. But the ability for money to move in and out freely, 24-7, just like a checking account, gives the consumer confidence to dump 100% of their income into it and treat it just like a checking account. So if you make 10 grand, guess how much you put towards your HELOC? 10 grand. Now you can automate your HELOC so that it can pay bills. We get into some advanced strategies in my course of how you, you pay bills utilizing offset accounts to kind of speed up the process. But now you get what's called 100% income utilization. And let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar balance, you put 10 grand in. I'm using 10 grand because it's a big round number. Yeah. Now the next day, simple interest, you your balance is ninety thousand dollars. Now you're paying interest on ninety thousand dollars versus a hundred. The mortgage is the opposite of that. On top of that, with some HELOCs, not all, some HELOCs, when you put money in, the money goes to principal first, then the interest is calculated. Right? Big, big Big thing to remember there. With a mortgage, when you put money in, guess where the first dollars go? Interest, then they do principal. And it's a compounding loan, so eventually it, it, you've got an amortization schedule. And let's say you, you've got a mortgage 300,000 and you sell a, a piece of real estate and you've got 100,000, right? Uh, windfall of 100,000 falls out of the sky and you're like, I'm gonna put it on my mortgage. So you do, you put 100,000 into your mortgage. There's a couple things wrong with that. What is your payment the next month? It's the same. It's an amortization schedule. You signed a contract, your payment does not change. The other thing is you've just trapped that 100,000. There's only a few ways, three ways, to get access to that equity. Number one, sell your house. That's not attractive. Number two, refinance. 
to pay thousands of dollars to get access to the money that you just put in there. That's not attractive. Or number three, get a home equity line of credit. See, see how we kind of always come back <laughs> home equity line of credit. So, you know, I, I'm not, you, you could get a HELOC in second lien position, which is what most people traditionally think. I have a home, I owe 300,000, it's worth 500,000. I'm gonna get a HELOC for 100,000. I'm gonna get a HELOC for the difference between what I owe and the value of the home. You can do that. It's a very precarious thing, especially in this market with coronavirus, because when you hear of HELOCs getting frozen, 99% of them were the second lien position home equity lines of credit, right? Why? Because those banks don't really have a strong collateral position on the home, so they get nervous. Values start to tank or you know, credit scores go down or income goes down, they're like, oh man, we're not guaranteed to get our money back, so we need to freeze it. In first lien position, you almost have the same protection rights, if not better, than you would on a mortgage because they now have collateral rights. They don't get as nervous. And if you protect the banks, they're gonna protect you to a certain degree. That, that's how it is. Too. But you're, you're putting money in and I can show you a quick calculation. Um, yeah, that'd be great. So, that, so that people can see what I'm referring to. All right, so let's say you had a $450,000 balance on a mortgage. And let's say, you know, right now, interest rates are lower than this. Um, on HELOCs and mortgages, but let's just be conservative and say three and a half percent. And let's say you're on pace to pay your home off in 20 years. You know, you've been in it for 10 years and you're on pace to get it paid off in 20 years. Let's say you have a uh, household income of 14 grand, right? And that's household income. So that could be you and a spouse or just you. And then let's say you have monthly expenses here of $8,000. Now, here's what's key, especially if you're going to my website and using this, this calculator. Monthly expenses excludes your mortgage. A lot of people make the mistake of saying, yeah, I have 8,000 of gas, groceries, utilities, vacation, eating out, all that entertainment, but I also have a mortgage of you know, 2,300 bucks. Don't put that on there, and here's why. If your HELOC paid off your mortgage, stop sending your mortgage company a check. Pretty, pretty obvious, but you don't put that expense in here. So this is $8,000 outside of your housing expense, right? annual fee, 35 bucks. Some HELOCs charge an annual fee, some don't. But as you can see here, this homeowner is having their home paid off in seven years. They didn't change anything about their budget. They changed where their cash goes. Now, on top of that, let's look at this. This isn't an amortization schedule. This is a payment schedule because a HELOC doesn't have an amortization schedule. As you can see, the interest on the HELOC is dropping each month. So now you're getting that snowball effect. So 14 grand going in, 1300 is coming out, 8,000 in additional charges. What do you know? Now you owe 435. Let's say you're two years in. You go from 450 to 334. How many folks can say that they've done that in the first 15 years of having a 30-year mortgage? The first five years are basically interest only. You're not actually paying more interest. I'm sorry, you're not actually paying more principal than interest on your amortization schedule until about year 16. So the first 16 years, the bulk of your money is going towards interest versus principal, right? So in two years, this individual has paid their balance down to 334. But here's the other cool thing. They're 100% liquid. Their money's not trapped. So they still have a line of credit up to 450. If they needed $115,000, and that's the good thing and the bad thing. It depends on the person and the, their discipline and their responsibility. You know, I, I, you probably heard me say this in Miami. I've got a business partner on the banking side and I love his quote. And it's funny and probably offends some people too, is this is like yoga pants. Everybody can wear them, but not everybody should. So this isn't for folks that are not disciplined. This isn't for folks that are not cash flow positive. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, this is not a magical pill. This isn't a magical elixir. This isn't gonna fix your problem. One-on-one, you gotta go back to budgeting. You gotta fix that margin between what's coming in and what's going out. And the larger that margin is, the faster you speed up this process. But this individual has 115,000 at their disposal. Maybe they wanna use that for home improvements. Maybe they wanna use that to invest in a business. Maybe they wanna use that to invest in real estate. I'm a big proponent of utilizing your equity to invest in cash flow assets. Because if you were to go back into debt for 100000 but you picked up a $1,500 a month cash flow asset, you actually speed up the process. 
yes, you got that blip in a radar, your, your bounce is doing this and you go back up a hundred, but now you have a steeper decline because you picked up something that's reoccurring revenue coming in on a monthly basis. And then once it's all done, guess what? You you now have a home that's paid off free and clear, but you still have that asset that you used your cash or your, your equity to buy. So let me show another example. Or, and let me go back to margin. If you got any questions, jump in. I can talk all day. Well, that's great. Uh, I, I was I was going to say that we 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 moved to New Bern from California. Of course, the housing is much different in New Bern, North Carolina, than around San Francisco. <laughs> so when yeah. we got here, we bought a house. We we've been paying on it for seven years. I just looked after coming back from Miami. We paid twenty thousand down, but one time during that time, we put ten thousand to the house because we. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason we thought we were paying it down but that money's locked in there like you said so it's like mm -hmm. we have uh we have close to a hundred thousand dollars in our home and you know just from appreciation a lot of that but and uh you know so it's i mean this is a very interesting so keep going here's the other thing is HELOCs. even if you're borrowing 90 95 85 percent of the value of your home 90 percent of HELOCs do not have mortgage insurance even if you borrow above 80. So on a, on a mortgage, if you borrow above 80, FHA, you got exorbitant mortgage insurance, right? Uh, Fannie and Freddie, one of the cheaper ways to, to finance when it comes to a mortgage, if it's over 80%, mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance does not protect you. There, believe it or not, there's still millions of people out there that think that because they're paying mortgage insurance, there's a benefit to them. Oh, I'm protected, I pay mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance has nothing to do with protecting you. It only protects the lender in case you default, right? but I want to show this margin. So let's say this individual either, and, and you know, it, I'm in the backyard of Dave Ramsey. So I'm a big fan of budgeting. I took his course uh, in church. Uh, great when it comes to budgeting, right? Um, so he's big on cutting expenses. So let's say you cut expenses, right? Well, now you go from 86 months to 62 months. So in five years, your home is paid for free and clear. And again, yeah, you change your budget because you cut your expenses, but I believe in this day and age, we're Americans and not Americans. It's just as easy to go create another cash flow opportunity, a side hustle, you know, especially with things online. I mean, look at what I'm doing. Look at what you're doing. We're, we're taking what's in our head and we're offering a product and service that's extremely valuable to folks and they pay us for it. This started out as a, a side hustle for me and it eventually, you know, picked up steam and now it's 100% of what I do. So anybody can do that. I truly believe that anybody can do that and pick up a side hustle. So let's say, you know, you, you do it on this side of the equation. You make more money, but don't spend less. You get the same effect, 62 months, right? So now let me also explain why this has been extremely valuable. I've got 5,500 clients and I would say about a dozen were impacted that I know of, there might be more, were impacted by COVID-19. So either they spouse worked in a restaurant or, you know, what, what have you, the, their income significantly was reduced. So I'm going to show you why HELOC protects you there too. So let's say you've got tons of equity because it's all about comparing apples and oranges here. So you've got a mortgage that you've paid down and now income declines, but you've got all this equity. You're like, okay, well, no problem. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to get access to this equity so that I can kind of weather the storm. What's the problem there? Your income went down. You may not qualify. And even if you do, you're paying thousands of dollars to get access to something that was your money to begin with. So now you're, you're getting charged twice for your own money. Well, that's not wise. But in a home equity line of credit, a lot of these uh, HELOCs come with a debit card, checks, online bill pay. You've got access to that money 24-7. So let's say somebody's three years in. They have 197, let's call it 200,000 but their line amount is 450,000. Their monthly expenses are eight grand. Their interest payment is 621. So one would look at that and be like, okay, I'll lose my job. Um, I can pay 621, right? Wrong. You lost your job. You can't pay anything. Well, some of these HELOCs, not many, but I, I, again, I've got the relationships with the banks and I can point people in the right direction. Some of these banks, you don't have to make a payment. You've got an asset there of 250000 So if you don't make a payment, you're not late. They actually just tack that 621 onto your balance. So instead of owing 197539 
Uh, try to do the quick math. You're owing 198, 150. Holy crap, I think I did that right. So, yeah, you, that's what you owe. So you don't have to make a payment. Pretty good, right? Far more flexible than a mortgage. Right. But it still doesn't solve another problem. What's the other problem? You still got other expenses to pay and you don't have a job. Eight grand. This is not ideal, but now you jump up to 204. Then the next month, if you don't have a job, you jump up to 212 and so on. So now the HELOC starts going backwards, right? Not ideal, but neither was losing a job. Again, on the other side of the coin, if you got a mortgage and you lose your job, what's your only two options? Foreclosure or sell, yeah. right? Those aren't attractive. A lot of people, their, their home is an extension of their family. Yeah. Right? I have so a question too, because a yeah. lot of our doctors, you know, they're, they're self-employed. So, you know, they have to fill it out. They might not have the best tax return because, you know, self-employed people aren't prone to paying as much taxes. How does that work in getting a HELOC? What's the, what does somebody have to do to qualify for these kind of situations? From a taxation standpoint? Yeah. So it's very similar to a mortgage, right? And here's one of the things that I say. Your story has to line up with what you tell the IRS and what you tell the bank. Because banks are still going to require to get a HELOC in, in most circumstances, your tax returns. So if you told the IRS that you didn't make any money, you can't tell the bank that you actually do. I have had exceptions to that where I've gotten on the phone with some executives of some banks, you know, here locally, I had a, a music executive that um, he was buying a property and uh, on his tax returns, if I remember the numbers right, it was like $50,000 is what he was showing on average income uh, per month. But reality was he had 180,000 in deposits coming in. But his taxes, he had tons of write-offs, deductions, travel, and all that stuff, right? So he actually showed 50,000. And one would think, okay, $600,000 a year, it, it could qualify. Not when you're buying a $5 million property. <laughs> so I had to go to a bank in, in, in a credit union and we had to sit down and say, look, What's your number one focus here at the bank? Grow core deposits. Guess what this guy has? A lot of core deposits. Can we make a deal happen? And they did. Um, that is not normal because they still have what's called fair lending laws. What they do for one, they technically have to do for everybody else. And that's not typically in their guidelines, right? So yes, you know, your tax returns, I, same thing with me, 2016, uh, I had lots of deductions and things to write off, especially being a business owner and multiple businesses and being in real estate. I had lots of deductions I could write off, but I had a large transaction coming up in 2017. So my CPA is like, all right, cool. We're writing all this off. Your tax burden's dropping significantly. It's like, no, 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 can't. I, I know what my two-year average has to be in order to qualify from a debt ratio standpoint. I can't take those deductions. And she's like, you kidding me? You're basically gonna donate money to the IRS? I was like, look, this is, it's a fine line that I have to walk. I either show it to the IRS and get the transaction that I want that's going to take me, make me money, or I write it off and I don't. So I had to take it on the chin. So is there an easy solution and a voila moment for folks that you know are self-employed and writing it off? Unfortunately, there's not. Not in the HELOC world. It's very rare. So yes, just be prepared that you will have to show to your tax returns. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that did. Okay. So back to this moment of utilizing your HELOC when you're not thriving, but now you're trying to survive, this has saved the butts of about a dozen clients that I'm aware of. And they thank us for it. They're like, my goodness, had I not gotten into this program and stuck with my mortgage and then COVID-19 happens, you know, I bankrupt, I'm foreclosed on, or I have to sell my house. In fact, there are in 2008, 2009, there was one company that was doing a lot of first lien position home equity lines of credit. They did about 2,400 of them. Guess how many of those folks defaulted during the mortgage meltdown or the real estate meltdown? Zero. Not a single one. To this day, that paper still doesn't have a single default. Now, those people that had a mortgage, on average, those lenders had a 5% default rate. Lots of foreclosures, lots of late payments and things of that nature. I mean, you, you take a look at last year, you know, the government's allowing people to go into forbearance and encouraging these mortgage companies to allow folks not to make a payment. Bad idea, because guess what's happening? Those folks that didn't have a payment for three months, now on month four, 
have to make a payment, have to, have to make all those payments in one lump sum. So let's say you had a $2,000 mortgage payment. You don't pay month one, you don't pay month two, you don't pay month three. Guess what you owe month four? Eight grand. If they couldn't afford it on a monthly basis, do you think those people could afford it and they're just stocking it away? No, they weren't doing that. So now when you don't make that $8,000 payment, guess what? The mortgage company can count you as four months behind, which starts the foreclosure process. So it was a horrendous idea to do forbearance. But with a home equity line of credit, you don't need anybody's permission. You can do it on your own. So with a lot of your doctors that have homes and equity in their home, you, yeah, I did this. I used the equity in my home to buy into businesses. You know, that's how I got into this bank. I you know, put a lot of money from my home equity line of credit to buy into it. Didn't make money for about a year. And guess what? Now I'm getting a decent, healthy dividend on a monthly basis because I utilize my equity. So if something were to happen and things go away, I still get that check every single month. So they could do that with their own business or other businesses or real estate or it's your money. And people ask me all the time, what can I do with the money that's in the HELOC? I don't know. What would you do with it if it was in your checking account? Well, whatever I wanted. Same thing. Do whatever you want with it. That's great. Well, let's let's talk about um, one of the questions that comes to mind is these variable loans that people have. They and we we heard in <laughs> Miami about negative uh, mm -hmm. interest and all that. But tell me, you know, uh, are HELOCs variable or how does that work? How does all of the above? So there are most HELOCs are variable, which I'm not scared of a variable HELOC at all, um, because you have to understand the calculations of and what's more important when it comes to financing anything. Two things are far more important than interest rate, time and balance. If you attack time and balance, then you, you pay far less interest, right? And we could have went in that calculation too. Uh, far less interest, you, you pay anything off fast, you're paying less interest than you would if you extended it over a longer period of time. So most HELOCs are variable. However, there are some that are fixed, meaning the rate doesn't change. There are some that are hybrid, meaning you could take, let's say you have 300,000 uh, on a HELOC, you could take 200,000 and lock it in at a rate. You could take 100,000 and keep it variable because variable is going to be lower than uh, fixed. Uh, so there are three different types of HELOCs out there. Uh, the hybrids are very rare. Uh, the fixed uh, HELOCs are very rare, but it's not like you're getting multiple HELOCs on one property. All you need is one. So just pick the one that makes the most sense for you and your your risk for app or, or your appetite for risk. Um, but I, I personally love variable because, you know, let's say you got a HELOC in 2016 and 17. How happy are you now? <laughs> your rate plummeted, right? So, and people are scared of variable because they think of one thing. If I got a variable rate, what's my rate going to be? They immediately think it's going to skyrocket yeah. and they don't understand history of the, the history of interest rates the last time rates skyrocketed was 1981 and there was one big issue savings and loan crisis that created that and it's not in the bank's best interest for interest rates to skyrocket um, they lose massive profitability you know again arbitrage so this is something that greenspan kind of introduced in 1981 the cost of funds for banks was nine percent and they were lending out at 18 percent really high interest rate. What was the rate of return for those banks? If you go from nine to 18, what's the rate of return? A lot of people would say 9%. No, 9% is the most, that's not the rate of return. The rate of return was 100%. So they're making $2 for every dollar that they lend out. And Greenspan came along and said, I can fix the, the profitability issues with the banks. What we're gonna do, and that tells you how old that dude was, right? 1981, he was the chairman then. Yeah. So he plummets interest rates. I think it was down to 3%. And now banks were lending out at 12%, nine to 12%. Benefit to the consumer, right? They, they go from 18% to nine to 12%. Awesome, you boost home sales, all of that. But think about it from the bank standpoint, their cost of funds was 3%. Now they're lending out at 12%. What's their rate of return? 400%, actually higher, you know, fees and all that stuff. But yes, it, it's higher than 400%. So with a simple change, banks go from making 100% rate of return to over 400% rate of return just by reducing interest rates. So yeah, you know, in Miami, we heard lots of talk of low interest rates for the foreseeable future and even talks of potential negative interest rates. Uh, I think there's more in their tool belt from an arsenal standpoint um, to not have to go to negative interest rates, but 
that was something that would have never been discussed three or four years ago. And now it's, it's, it's a topic of conversation, which means somebody's thinking about it. Right. So, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit to the people that they have their home. They like their mortgage, whatever, maybe they have it paid off, but they want to get a HELOC for a vacation home. Mm-hmm. Take us through a scenario of how that works. Is it the same thing or is there something different? Yeah. You, you could, you know, what I would tell folks to do on a vacation home is, is one, never have a mortgage if you're cash flow positive. Whatever is your operating account. And what I mean by that is whatever you're going to use as your checking account, you don't want to segregate income. So let's say you have multiple properties, and multiple HELOCs. Don't try to attack all of them at the same time. You actually lose efficiency. You want to attack one at a time, right? It's actually 15 to 20% faster to laser focus your resources on one debt at a time. Typically, you want to start with your highest cost of funds first. Me, a guy that went broke in 2008 and filed bankruptcy, lost my home. Guess what? I've got four kids and a wife. Emotionally, I'm focusing on where they live and where I live. I'm not focusing on where the renters live, right? But let's say you want to get a vacation home, you've got equity in your home. You could use the equity as down payment for the vacation home and then finance the vacation home on a home equity line of credit purchase. There are banks that do that. Again, not many, but there are banks that will allow you to purchase a vacation home on a first lien position home equity line of credit. Now think about that vacation home. What are most people doing with vacation homes? Yeah, they go on vacation there, but they're Airbnb in them. Yeah, yeah, home away or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and you get, you know, some vacation spots have more cash flow than long-term rentals, you know, like a 12-month lease and whatnot. So if it's in a great spot, you've got lots of cash flow coming in. You're renting it out for 250 350 bucks a night, and you've got this first link position HELOC on there. And if you wanted to segregate your income, you could have that vacation home. I've done a model where uh, 14 years of vacation home is paid off by using the, the the nightly rental rate to pay that home off if you wanted to segregate your income. Mathematically, you wouldn't want to do that. You would want to focus back on your primary account, um, but you could. And now in 14 years, somebody else has paid off your vacation home. That's awesome. So tell us, what are the what are the downsides? Why are Why aren't more people using this? Um, this is going to sound blunt because it is ignorance, um, not thinking outside of the box and just really looking at the math of this. And that's, you know, my company, we do 100% free consultations. So when people are like, Hmm, you know, this makes a lot of sense, but I don't know, it sounds too good to be true. We get on the phone with them. They, they go to our website, replaceyourmortgage.com. They schedule a free discovery call. And again, it's free. And we just walk them through it, walk through your calculations. Let's see what your income is. Let's see what your expenses are. Every phone call, they walk away with value because <clears throat> even if it doesn't make sense for them now, because like I said, yoga pants, right? We give them homework to do. How do you graduate up to this level? Or they walk away with like, my goodness, why wasn't I doing this 10 or 15 years ago? You know, true story. I had a HELOC first lien position in 2005 and I refinanced that sucker to a mortgage because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, foreclosed on the house. Had I known this, I'd still own that house and a bunch of other houses. I'd be in a different position right now. Honestly, I probably wouldn't even be on this podcast with you. I'd be sitting <laughs> on the beach somewhere. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lack of knowing because who are we getting our education from? We're getting it from the financial institutions. They are teaching us what to consume. Do you think they want us to consume something that doesn't make them money? No, but it, it's out there. It's, it's, most HELOCs are absolutely free. Uh, some of the more expensive ones are 1400 bucks, maybe 750 bucks. So they're extremely cheap compared to a mortgage. So they lose profit. So don't expect your banker to know this and say, yeah, actually, this is what you should do. And if you go to my YouTube channel, I'll send you a link after this. I did a debate with the loan officer and I did it live uh, on YouTube and we had to edit it to take out the name of the company and the name of the loan officer. But this is a very large mortgage institution. And this guy was one of the top lenders in South Carolina and interviewed him for nine minutes and what, you know, I knew he was going to try to tell me, no, no, you should get a mortgage, get a low rate mortgage. This is what you should do. I'll send you that link in that video. At the end of the conversation, he's like, this is ingenious. This is a solid plan. I think you should do it. And again, I say if the, if the experts don't want you to do it, or if the experts won't do it themselves, 19% of my clients are mortgage professionals. I won't expose who they are because they're out there slinging financial crack in middle America but they personally are doing first lien position HELOCs. 19% of my business comes from mortgage professionals because I used to be one and I had a a big circle of influence for those individuals. 
If the experts don't want it, why do you want it? So here we are, Michael's telling us about what the, really the top 1% are doing because they don't buy mortgages the way we all do. We get these HELOCs and you can find out more by going to replaceyourmortgage.com. There's a free book, which I read, it's it's fascinating. It goes over some of the things you went over today. So if you weren't taking notes and you're driving your car, listening to this podcast, then go to replaceyourmortgage.com. You can also go on there. There's a place for a free consultation. It's discover-replaceyourmortgage.com. Uh, you'll see it there. He said he's he's willing to give you the time to walk you through it, explain everything that you need to know, get you set up and unlock if it's right for you, um, just to maybe stop some people that might not be in a position. What are some other qualifications so that um, if people are thinking, gosh, I don't even know if I qualify, what are some of the mm-hmm. barriers to entry that they need to hurdle over? Yeah. For us to be a client, to take on a client to educate, because we want 100% of our clients that we take on as a client to be successful. So there's one guideline for us to take on a client, and there's another guideline for banks to qualify for people for a home equity line of credit. So the guidelines for HELOCs, it, you can't paint it with a broad brush. Bank A is significantly different from a guideline standpoint than bank B. And here's a good analogy. Patrick, you need to borrow money. You ask me and you ask your mother. Well, there's going to be two totally different terms and conditions because one trusts you more than the other, right? So yeah. my interest rates would be higher. I may ask, you know, I may only give you 60% of the asset that you're collateralizing where your mother may give you 100% of it. That's the way banks and credit unions are. So there's one credit union that might do 100% financing. There's another one that may only do 80% financing or 75. One will do investment properties. One will do vacation properties and others won't. Um, so the appetite for risk is very diverse because they are lending their own money. This isn't something that's government insured or endorsed. This is their money that stays on their balance sheet, right? So each bank has a totally different appetite for risk. And I've seen some banks that will do it down to a 580 credit score. And I've seen some that requires high as a 700. Us as a, to bring, come on as a client, we want you to have at least a 680 credit score. We want you to be cash flow positive, And we want you to have at least 10% equity in your home. If you have those, we feel very confident that not only is the education going to change your life, but then we can marry you up with the bank that's going to qualify. That's great. All right. Well, there you have it. Now it's in your hands. You can see if this is a way, uh, the, the biggest thing I think for our doctors out there, if you're with BrainTap, you know that when this hit for quite a while, you were probably closed like most of us when you're dealing with the public. Hopefully this will never happen again. But if you know history, it uh, usually repeats itself at some point. Hopefully we'll, we'll get a reprieve here soon. But this could be a way that you could at least have little, you don't have to use the money like, like M- Michael was saying. You can have it there as a reserve to help you out. So give give michael and his staff a call at replace your mortgage you can go there and i don't know if you want to share your number or if you just want them to go to the website and do it what do you yeah, the website has all the contact information and they don't even have to go to a different link to see the book call so if you go to replaceyourmortgage.com our only call to action on there nobody can pay us you you cannot go to my website and pay us to be a client we don't allow it you first and foremost have to have a consultation with us so we need to make sure that you're the right fit for this but if you go to our website there's book call book free call that's all we want to do we just want to talk to you and love on you and help you out all right well we appreciate it and i know that you were you're pretty busy there in miami because what you shared with these professionals that were looking for ways to unlock their resources it was pretty powerful so if you're looking for a way to maybe finance that piece of equipment or or help out do a home uh refi right now because the interest levels are low then maybe this heloc is the the step to make for that refinance so that you can continue to have that. I mean, that was a shock to me to see, because uh, we were going to maybe do an addition on our house and they said, we had to fill out all this paperwork. I said, oh, it's too big a hassle, you know? And we did refinance our house about mm-hmm. <laughs> eight months ago because it took nothing but a signature, but it's still, after hearing your talk, it probably messed us over a little bit on what we were paying. Cause we, we, we still only owe the same amount of money, but they just, gave us one month free you need to call me i'll fix that yeah i'll fix it in a heartbeat okay all right well sounds really good well i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm hoping that uh those of you that are it's right for you know go ahead and do that check check it out go to the website again that's replaceyourmortgage.com see if this is right for you we're bringing you information that's going to help you personally with your finances as well as your business uh this happens to be one where i think for a lot of people there's a lot of hidden wealth 
locked up in the banks holding that hostage <laughs> that you can't get access to. And this is a way for you to control it. Not that you have to use it. Remember, if you're, but if you want to pay down your home, there is no better way that I've ever seen. And I've heard of this before, but I'd never had it explained the way you did it. And when you said it was math, not magic, or something like that, I think is the way you say it. It's math, it. not magic. But yeah. you you just made a very clear, uh, good point that won't take long to explain, 30 seconds. You're right. The HELOC, gain access to your equity. Even if you have no intention of using it right now, get a first lien position. Let's say you owe 300000 and your value is 500000 Well, you would qualify for $450,000 home equity line of credit, but your balance would be three hundred, dollars right? Gain access to that one fifty. dollars If you don't use it, it's not costing you a penny. But it's better to have access to it when you need it as opposed to need it not have access to it. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I know with my old franchise company, I got a $500,000 line of credit for our warehouse and we didn't need it at the time. But my lawyer said, you always want to go to the bank when you don't need the money because when you need it, they won't give it to you. Yeah. So this is a way to insure it. So you control your own financial destiny and that's what we want for you as successful BrainTap offices or anyone else who happens to watch this as a podcast. Please give Michael a call. He's very knowledgeable. He's, he's a very nice guy to talk to. He won't, uh, if you're not right for it, he's going to tell you that. He's going to help you out. So there's no cost to that free consultation. So give him a call. Let's see what we can do. So thank you, uh, Michael. That's again, Michael Lush with ReplaceYourMortgage.com. You can go there, check it out here. His staff will get with you, figure out if this is best for you. So any re any last remarks or any last comments, Michael? You owe it to yourself and your family. If, if you're in the right position, you owe it to yourself and your family just to explore this. Have an open mind. I get it. It sounds too good to be true. That's the way I was in 2009. And I tried to prove it wrong and nothing would have delighted me more for this to be wrong because, you know, I, I'm good at marketing. Uh, I'm good at sales and mortgages pay way better than HEVOX, but it just wasn't the truth. And I couldn't, I couldn't continue going on telling lies. So yeah, just you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family. Just explore it. That's all I'm asking. Thank you again, Michael. Thanks for your time. You can get back there helping people unlock their wealth from their, their properties that they have out there and, and then uh, moving on their way. So if you're, remember, tell share this with your family and friends, anyone you know that owns a home that might be beneficial for them to learn about these HELOCs. I mean- Or they're buying they, a home. Yeah, or buying a home, you can do it that mm -hmm. way. So this is incredible. I think it's very exciting when I learned about it and there's a lot more you can do with that. So once you get into the system and you start finding out that you can control your financial destiny, there's a lot more that can happen. And we'll be sharing it with you here at the BrainTap Business Journal podcast. So again, thank you and stay tuned for the next Business Journal podcast, where we'll again help you to find ways to earn more income, manage your income, or bring in new clients with new technologies. So thank you very much. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. God bless.